Good morning, everyone. My name is Lily, and I'm a student here at Relentless Ministry. Um, yeah, I am super nervous, must I tell you. I came into this super scared, super fearful, and I came in with a set plan, and I had everything written out. I had all my key points planned out. I had everything just in order. Well, I thought I was, it was in order, but I came today, and I was like, okay, this is what I have, and during first service, I was just worshiping, and God was like, no, you're going to change your plans, like, we're completely going off what I have decided, and yeah, so um, I'm just going to tell you guys a quick story, and then I'll, I'll tie it to the message. Oh my gosh, I forgot. Um, our topic, Pastor Chris gave us a topic, and our topic is transformed, but I kind of changed it. I hope you don't mind. Um, the topic, I mean, the, the title that I have given, if you're taking notes or anything, is transformation, parentheses, it's a process. Um, so about a year ago, um, like October, September, I was dealing with a lot. I a lot of people know me as a super bubbly, super bright, super loud personality. And I was dealing with this feeling of defeat. I didn't have any confidence. I just felt worthless and like I had nothing left to give. Um, my parents can tell you there would be days where I wouldn't even want to come out of my room. They'd, my mom would be like, all right, dinner's ready. And I'll be like, okay, I'm going back to my room and crying because... You know, I just didn't feel like pushing through. And um, after about a month of, of dealing with that and just being, like, so broken inside and just feeling worthless and that no one wanted me, I came to Destiny one day, and um, my boyfriend Ben invited me, and I was like, okay, like, cool. I didn't know anyone. And... Worship that night really hit me. It was like God just like blasted this wind over me, and I was like, whoa, like, do you mean to do that? And I just felt that presence, like, and I just surrendered. You know, I was like, I let go of that, of that shame, of that fear, of that anxiety, and gave it to God. And I felt like I just had this weight lifted off my chest, and so... I was like, all right, this is cool. Like, Jesus, we're doing good. And um, rolls around to December, and I started feeling like just um, another sense of loss. I felt very impatient and um, just I wasn't very nice to people. <laughs> um, and I kind of worked through that battle. And we get to, we get to around the summer of this year. And I decided to go to camp, the Relentless Camp this year, and I was super scared. I was terrified um, because I didn't, like, I, I had been coming to church on Wednesdays, but I was like, I don't really know anyone, like, kind of scared. And so I was just really nervous. And on the bus ride there, my mom just told me, I was texting her about it, and I, she's like, you have to be uncomfortable to grow. And 
at camp, I just felt this presence. And God's like, okay, you're letting go of this fear of not being good enough, of being too loud, of, of just not being good enough for anyone, for me, because you're definitely good enough for me. And there was one thing that we did that Pastor Chris, we, we wrote down notes, and we just kind of wrote down, let go, and we, we wrote down what we wanted to let go of. And I just said, I want to let go of that fear. Um, and I just, I, it was another weight off my chest. Like, like I was like, whew, this is another weight off my chest, like October, September. Like, this feels good. Like, I'm fine. My relationship with Jesus is good. And then, like, after that, you know, it just goes back to that season of, like, I'm just not motivated. I don't want to do anything. I, I don't want to spend time with God. Like, that's, it's just too much. And um, I remember not wanting to pursue him because I just, I just felt so, like, discouraged. Like, like, you don't want to use me. You don't want to, like, I'm not good enough for you. This just goes back to that not being good enough. And when Pastor Chris and Haley asked me to speak, I was like, ooh, I don't know. Like, I was like, okay, Haley, just let me, let me pray about it during worship, and I'll tell you. And I was like, eh, yeah, I don't know. Like, sure, I don't know. <laughs> but I ended up doing it. So, um, but I just, I just, in this season, I felt like God didn't have a purpose for me. He didn't have a plan for me when he did all along. And he has a purpose and a plan for everyone. And um, it goes back to my, hold on, let me find it. Oh, gosh, I'm not organized here, guys. Bear with me. I had like a week and a half to do this. Oh, gosh. Oh, I'm, so, I'm sweating up here. Oh, no. You're going to have to give me God's grace today because I'm, I'm not doing good. Um, oh, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> it, it, I, kind of, I kind of have, I had this whole plan written out. And I'm going to kind of tie it into my story, but um, Angie talked about earlier at first service about um, Saul. He was, he was very involved in the church and, not the church of Jesus, but the, what is it? Oh, I cannot think. I'm blinking. Um, it says that basically he didn't believe in Jesus. He persecuted Jesus. He didn't believe that he was the Messiah, you know? Um, and sorry. <laughs> Saul saw the teachings and he didn't believe them. He thought they were not true. And he went against what Jesus said. Um, so in Acts 9... Uh, let's see, I'll read it to you guys real quick. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the highest priest and asked them for the letter to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there, any there who belonged to the way, whether man or woman, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. He neared Damascus on his journey, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed 
around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Saul said, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. He replied, now get up and go to the city, and you will be told what you must do. So in that moment, Saul didn't know who Jesus was. You know, he knew who God was. He thought he was doing such great things by God. But in that moment, he was led by blind faith. He had to trust Jesus, even though he didn't know who Jesus was. And, oh gosh. Oh, I can't stay on my notes. I, that's why I talk a lot, so I get off topic. <laughs> oh, I'm very unprepared, guys. Um, this goes back to the surrender. Because Saul led Jesus by blind faith, he had to surrender everything, everything that he had ever known. And I think that that kind of, I, I related to it because I was like, I related to Saul in the sense of all those thoughts, all those bad things that I had thought about myself, they weren't true. And I had to surrender to Jesus even when I thought I was right, even when I thought all the things about myself were right but they're not because Jesus loves me and he thinks that I'm awesome. <laughs> um, sorry, guys. Um, another point I have is that whenever we surrender to Jesus and give everything, all of our things to him, we get our own transformation story like Paul. We, get, we surrender when we give up that control we get our own surrender story. Um, uh, my other point is that he has a purpose. Um, so, like I said earlier, I, I didn't really want to do this because I was like, I, I don't know if that's what you have for me, God. Like, I don't know if I'm big enough, if I'm strong enough to do that. Like, what if I just stand up on stage and, like, stare off and just freak out? Um, but he has a purpose and he has a plan for me, like, just like he did for Saul. Um, uh, he, didn't, he knew that Saul wasn't out of reach. He just had to make a point where he turned him around and he started following him. Sorry, I'm just... Um, sorry, guys. I'm, I'm very walking into this blind. I had, I had, see, I had this whole plan, this whole idea, and then God was like, mmm, go off the plan, but then he's like, but then I'm like, ah, oh, but now what do I say? <sighs> the other thing that I have is about trusting the transformation that you undergo. So I think about it as like, whenever you're getting your hair or your nails done, and the person starts doing questionable things, and you're like, what? Like, oh no, they just cut off like seven inches of my hair. What am I going to do? And you start to doubt them and like question their, how they're going to do. And like, you're going to come out with like bald and you're going to have to wear a baseball cap. Um, but I think about it as when we're going through a storm or a heartache, when does God ever fail us? When does he ever leave us? He doesn't. We have to trust him. Saul had to put that much trust into Jesus to not leave him. Um, Sorry. 
Um, Saul had to listen and obey to the plans God had in store for him. Um, why, do, why do we come to, to uh, God with questions when we know that all he has for us is only good things? And it's, it's only his plan. It's only his will. He's not going to come to us and be like, I want you to go this way and lead you in the wrong direction. He's never going to do that. Um, sorry, guys. Ah, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, gosh. Okay. My last point is, Transformation even after a transformation. Um, after Paul came to Jesus, he wasn't finished. He'd only just begun. Um, in verse, let me find it now, gosh. It says, in verse uh, 9, 10 in Acts. Sorry, I didn't even tell you guys we were in Acts. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> in Damascus, there was a di- disciple named Ananias. The Lord called him to a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus, Tarsus? I don't know, named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hand on him and restore his sight. Lord Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen chosen (laughs) instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and the people of Israel. I will show him how much he offers to suffer my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hand on Saul, he said, brother, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here. He has sent me so you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. After taking some food, he regained strength. So after that, it goes, Saul, his, he was transformed because the scales fell from his eyes. He could see again. He could see through Jesus' eyes because he was going to, sorry, I'm not doing good. I'm very off. I'm very off. This is what happens when you don't have a plan. Um... I just read the wrong verse. Oh, my gosh, y'all. Where is it at? I had a different verse for that point, but I'm reading the wrong part. I'm sweating up here, guys. Okay. Where was I at? Um, That's right. We're at (laughs) transformations never done our work. For God is never done. Um, I just read the wrong verse, you guys. I'm sorry. For the, uh, This is in Acts 13, 4. It says, The two of them sent their way by the Holy Spirit went down to Seleucia? I don't know. And sailed from their way to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, okay, I picked the one with all the, okay, it's got all the weird words. They proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. John was with them as their helper. They traveled through the whole island until they came to Paphos? I don't know. There they met a Jewish sorcerer and the false prophet prophet named Bar-Jesus. That's a weird name. I mean, no one can be like Jesus. 
who was an attendant for the Prosecul. Okay, this one has such bad words. I cannot read. The Bible does not have bad words because, I mean, it's the word of God. It's not bad. But I just can't pronounce them. I'm I'm the faulty here. Um, But Elamias, I can't do this. The sorcerer, for what his name means, opposed them and tried to turn the I cannot talk today from their faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, there goes his transformation, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elimus. I think that's how, I mean, that's how I'm going to say it. You are a child of the devil and the enemy of everything that is right. You're full of all kinds of deceit and tri- trickery. Will you <laughs> never stop perverting the right ways? I'm lost. Where were we? Okay. <laughs> the right ways of the Lord. Now the hand of the Lord is against you, and you're going to be blind for a time, not even able to see the light of the sun. Immediately, mist of darkness came over him, and he groped about what, seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Then the pronskul saw what had happened. He believed, and he was amazed about the teachings of the Lord. So that verse goes to about the work that Paul did for um, the Church of Jesus. What's the Church of Jesus? I cannot talk. Okay, I'm just getting worse, guys. Um, when he surrendered everything to Jesus, he was changed and he was made new. Oh gosh, I'm trying to. Um, Paul's conviction story helped to save millions of lives through Jesus. Jesus used Paul and his story to convict others to start following Jesus. We can be like Paul. Our testimony, our Conviction can help lead other people to Christ. We can be a light and a way to show others the love like Jesus shows us. Um, I think of it as sometimes we're the people on the road to, uh, we're Saul on the road to Damascus. We're confused and lost. But at some point, we have a complete U-turn and we're taken over and directed, redirected by Jesus. Um, that's my last point. I don't really have much else to say. I just kind of came up here and fumbled. But I'm going to pray real quick, and then I'll pass it off to our next speaker. All right. Um, dear Heavenly Father, I just pray for everyone in this room, God, that you will just just help them to understand my mess of words, um, that even if it didn't touch everyone in the room, God, that maybe it'll just touch one person, that you will just show them comfort and love as they go on through their day and that you will help them to completely surrender to you and your will and your purpose and your plan. Um, In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Okay, hi everybody. My name is Bella. I've been going to Destiny since... February of this year, um, you might remember remember me from the last student, take, student takeover. I spoke a spoken word written by Zach. It was very beautiful. Um, if you don't mind, I'd like to pray us into this message. Dear Heavenly Father, I just pray that you help everybody in this room receive your message, Lord. I pray that you speak through me and that everybody hears your words, not mine. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Okay. So let's start off, kind of already know, who is Saul? Saul is a man who was on a journey to persecute Christians. He was on his way to Damascus. Literally, his only goal was to persecute Christians, and it said 
he breathed out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. So let's start at verse 3 of Acts 9. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? asked Saul. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go to the city, and you will be told what you must do. I don't know about y'all, but if I'm persecuting a group of people and their leaders like, continue where you were going, my first thought is going to be to turn the other way. I'm not, I'm not going where this leader of the group of people that I'm persecuting is telling me to go unless there's a part of me that wants to trust him because I don't right now, right? I don't trust him. I don't know him. But maybe there's a part of me that wants to trust him and know him, but I just don't know how. So in verse 8, then we see, Saul got up from the ground. When he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by hand into Damascus. He goes three days without food, without water, and without his sight. He's moving, or he's going to Damascus because God told him to move. He doesn't know who God is at this point. He doesn't trust God at this point but maybe there's a part of him that wants to. So he's trusting God with his everything. He can't see. He, he's not eating. He's not drinking. But he trusts God enough to move when he tells him to move. So where, where are you putting your, your faith and your trust? Are you putting it in God? Or are you putting it in worldly things? Are you putting it in people? Because people... We all have our own things going on, and as much as I want to say, oh, I'm going to be here for you all the time, I can't. I'm one person, but God, God is the Almighty. God has us all, and he wants to be there for us all, and he's not going to let us down. So in Damascus, there's a man named Ananias who God, through a vision, told about Saul, and he told him to go to the house of Judas to ask for Saul. At this point, you know, who Saul is has spread around. Like, this man who persecutes Christians, he's, he's coming your way. So Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with the authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. Before Saul gets where he's supposed to be, he's prejudged. Now, granted, that is his fault, but is that not like us? Do we not all mess up and people judge us? And you're like, why, why are you judging me? Yeah, I did that, but like, I deserve another shot, right? And most of the time, people aren't going to give you that shot, but God will always be there and he'll be like, I'm behind you. You don't, all you need is me because I will always be here for you. So God tells Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the Lord of Israel. God is the only one who believes in Saul at this point. He, he calls Saul his chosen instrument after all the mess-ups he's had, after all the things he's done wrong. He's still God's chosen instrument because you can't mess up enough times where God is going to say, I'm done with you. God will never be done with you. So when they both arrived to the house of Judas, 
Ananias tell Saul, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. So what is, what is the point of this story? What, what's happening in this story? Saul, this guy who did not know who the Lord was, who did not trust the Lord, moved when the Lord told him to. He moved blind, he moved hungry, he moved thirsty, but he still moved and he still put his trust in God and the outcome was greater than him or anyone could ever imagine. It wasn't easy. I don't think going three days blind and hungry and thirsty would be fun either, but you know, that's just me. Um, (laughs) But was the outcome greater than anybody would ever think anybody could ever imagine. And he was faced with challenges even after that, even after he was baptized, there were plots against his death, but that, that still didn't stop him. He still grew his ministry and he still grew in his calling because he knew what God's set plan was for him and he wasn't going to stop until he reached that calling. So when God tells you to move, it's gonna be scary. It's gonna be challenging. And you're going to be like, oh, but do I really have to do that? And you're, you're, not, you're not going to want to do it. But in the end, it's so worth it. And you're going to learn how to grow. And you're going to learn how to listen. And you're going to learn how to fail. And failure is hard. Failure is so hard. And it makes, you, it makes you feel down on yourself. But God doesn't call us to be perfect. He calls us to follow him. So a little personal story of mine. I didn't really want to share it, but in summer of 2018 through January-ish, February-ish of 2019, I went through a very, very heavy depression. I got up in the mornings and I would cry because I didn't want to be alive. I didn't want to, I was upset because I was breathing. I was upset because I just felt like everybody was attacking me and I had nobody on my side. And then mid-February-ish, my best friend calls me and she goes, hey, so let's go to church. And I was like, church? Really? You want me to do that? But I went and I let God speak to me in that first, that first service I went to. I felt God doing major things in me. And I'm so glad that I met God because if I hadn't, I've met some of my best friends since then. I've met some of my, like, greatest people who I couldn't imagine my life without. And I had to allow him to transform me, and I couldn't, I had to be open with God, and I said, and I had to tell him that, God, this is not, this is not my life, Lord, this is yours. (laughs) So I'd like to pray you don't mind. Lord, I pray that this message reached somebody. I hope somebody was able to receive this and be transformed by it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Good afternoon, everybody. Let's, let's give it up for every single youth, every single student that's been on stage today. Listen, I know 
a, a few of them have mentioned just how nervous they are. And the thing is, if you've ever touched a mic, and maybe if you've refused to touch a mic, you know, I mean, it takes a lot to get up here and talk. And I say this a lot whenever uh, I speak to non-students. I don't like talking to the grown-ups uh, most of the time because with kids, I can say just about anything, and I know they're going to think that I'm weird because that's I'm old now, I guess, and so I don't really, like, worry about I don't go home and cry about it at night. You guys, I feel like if I say something wrong, especially being an English teacher, if I don't speak properly, then I'm going to hear about it from somebody. So, um, yeah, they, they've done such a fantastic job. I, I don't know if you guys understand. We are so blessed, uh, first off, just to be a part of a church that allows us to do this. I want to say thank you to Pastor Lawrence and Tracy for, uh, yeah, give them a hand. I know they're not here, but... Um, I'm sure they're probably tuning in. Uh, for them to be absent and to trust us to do whatever we want is insane. Uh, most parents don't just leave the kids at the house to do whatever they want. That's scary, but they're, they're doing that for us. Thank you, Pastor Chris and Jana, for you guys. I mean, I, I joked with Pastor Chris before uh, first service when we met that he gives himself the easy job so he doesn't have to do anything today. But the reason for that is... He is empowering this next generation to operate in the gifts that they've been given by God. So let's give them a hand as well. So, yeah, definitely. So uh, I'm, I'm going to jump in here, and we are talking about transform, transformation today. We've, we've been reading out of Acts chapter 9 is the primary text. And uh, I am a teacher, so the way that I like to teach is I try to start class with, hey, everybody, this is what we're doing today. Let's do it, and then we're done. So I kind of want to do that with you guys because it's hard for me to not be a teacher. I want to read some scripture, and then I want to share with you guys just a little bit about what I've gotten out of it. And that, that's one thing that I think is so cool about having so many different speakers is we're all talking on the same topic, but everybody's gotten, you know, there are some points that are all around the same thing, but at the same time, we're all getting something different out of it. And I think that's so unique to just who the church is called to be. We're all, we all have our own story. You have your own story. And it's important that uh, we have opportunities to share those and to hear from one another. So again, uh, it's, it's so cool to hear from our young people, just the things that God has done in their lives, the things that God is doing in their lives. So I'm going to read some scripture, and I'm going to summarize some scripture for the sake of time, because there's a lot here. But if we go back to Acts 7, the very end of Acts 7, there's this guy named Stephen, and he is a well-known uh, Christian. He's a well-known believer in Jesus, and there's a group called the Sanhedrin, and they don't like that. Now, the Sanhedrin are like the, they're like the elite of the church, okay? They're the, the well-educated, they're the leaders, and they kind of run the show. Um, they're wealthy, and they don't like this guy, Stephen, because he believes differently than they do, so they do the logical thing, and they stone him, right? Uh, they kill him. Uh, they, they enact their power, and they just, they get rid of him, okay? Immediately, that's at the end of Acts 7. Immediately after that, start Acts 8. This is verses 1 through 3. And Saul approved of their killing him. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. So this is where uh, Saul is, this is where we kind of learn about what his reputation is, how he's operating uh, within Jerusalem. And then the rest of Acts 
chapter 8 goes on to talk about how even though this is going on, the gospel is continuing to spread like wildfire. Okay, So Saul's doing everything he can to fight against what God is wanting to do, but in the end, God is going to accomplish what he wants to accomplish, and that's exactly what's happening. And that brings us to Acts chapter 9. Uh, this is verses 1 and 2, and this is where uh, we've really been focusing. It says, meanwhile, so this is while the gospel is being shared. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. So he's, he's still out there doing his work, but it's not slowing anybody down. Okay. Uh, he went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. So Saul has a reputation, he has a plan, and he's acting this out. These are the things that he's doing. And then in the very next verse, uh, like some of our young ladies have already read, he has an encounter that completely changes the rest of his life. Okay, uh, Jesus meets him where he's at and addresses him and calls him out and pushes him into a completely different realm of life that he, was, he wasn't headed in that direction at all. But Jesus enters the scene and completely changes that. We move on to Acts. We jump ahead to Acts 9, verses 19 through 22. It says, Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. This is after he's gone through the whole process. of He's had his encounter with Jesus. Uh, he's met up with Ananias. He's blind. He's not eaten. He's just, uh, he's going through a waiting period, if you will. This is the early stages of the transformation, and he's dealing with this transition. So he spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once, he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. Now here's the thing. He, had, he shows up and he, he makes it known that that's not who I am anymore. But he had a reputation, right? He had a reputation of, of being somebody who was against Jesus, against the church, and he was doing everything he could to slow it down. And now all of a sudden he's completely flipped the script and they're not really buying it. If we go back in their verse, uh, let me see. Verse 21, all those who heard him were astonished. And they asked, wait a minute, aren't you the guy that was doing those things? What about your reputation? And maybe you can relate to that because you've experienced a transformation. And people start to ask questions. Wait a minute, weren't you the one that was doing this? Okay, but it didn't matter. It wasn't going to stop him from doing what he's doing. And the, and the thing is, people don't really care about what you have to say until you show them you mean it with the things that you do. Okay, so Paul was talking about this transformation, but he had to actually step up to the plate and do something about it and show that he meant the things that he was saying. And it all started with a change of a mindset. You have to change your mind before you can change your actions. Okay, the Bible says, be renewed by the, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Okay, Saul had to go through a completely, uh, this process of renewing his mind. He had one way of thinking he has an encounter with Jesus. Now, all of a sudden, it's completely changed the way that he's thinking, and that's what can change his life and the actions that he's carrying out. So Saul, Saul goes through this, and he starts preaching pretty quickly after his encounter with Jesus. And his own people are just, they're, they're taken aback. They can't believe this is the guy that was out trying to arrest and have, have Christians killed, and now he's out here preaching the very same message that he was so drastically against. So he gets uh, deeper into the conversation, and here's the thing. Uh, Saul was incredibly educated. 
He was super uh, informed on what the scripture said. And the thing is, he knew everything there was to know about Jesus. And I think maybe, maybe that scared him, and that's why he was so against it. And he fought it for so long. But once he has this connection with Jesus, and, and it completely flips his mindset, now he takes all of that experience and that knowledge, and he takes his, his credibility, and he uses that for the cause of Christ, instead of using it to fight against it. And I think that's important for us to realize that, you know, Saul had everything that he needed already to do the things that God had called him to do. He was just using them for the wrong purpose. And I think I've heard it so many times today that God has a plan for your life. God has a purpose for your life, for each and every person. And the thing is, you have gifts, you have talents, you have abilities, and God wants to use those for his kingdom. He wants you to use those for his kingdom. And you may think, well, I can't stand up on a stage and talk with a microphone. And I'll tell you right now, whenever I was 18 years old and I had opportunities to stand on a stage, I was terrified. And it did not go well. And over the years, I've continued for whatever reason, to be given microphones to speak in different scenarios. And I, I still, to this day, I deal with anxiety of getting up on a stage and talking to people, especially like talking to the grown-ups. Like I said, it's terrifying, okay? But whenever God has put something inside of you, a gift inside of you, and he wants you to use that, he's going to give you the strength that you need to walk that out, regardless of how you feel, regardless of what your anxieties are, regardless of what it was that your reputation existed of, whether it was years ago, months ago, last week, and I don't know. Saul had everything he needed uh, to do the things that God wanted him to do. And so last week, Pastor Lawrence, he, he made some comments on cancel culture. And he said Jesus wasn't cancel culture. And that got me thinking, you know, he really wasn't. Like, if we look at Saul and things that he was doing, Saul should have been canceled. Okay? We, we look at the, the Acts 9 verses 1 and 2, Saul, and Jesus is looking at the Acts 9, verses 19 through 22, Saul, long before he ever got there, okay? So Jesus wasn't cancel culture. He was connection culture. He was willing to look at a man who was uh, not living the way that he should be living at all. He was doing terrible things. And he looked at him and he said, I love you, and I want to use you for my purposes, regardless of what your reputation is, regardless of what you've been doing, I'm going to use you. And he did just that. I've heard this said a lot today as well. Everybody's stealing points. Uh, God meets you where you are. And, and it's true. He, he, it's not that he just like shows up at just the right time. He's been there all along. He's waiting, us, waiting for us to get to a point where we can meet with him, that we can, we can finally surrender to him and, and, okay, God, now I'm ready. He, he's there all along. And it doesn't matter. I've... I've heard so many stories up here today, and I've had conversations with people over the years, and sometimes God meets you through a, uh, an intimate conversation at a dinner table or a coffee shop or something like that. Sometimes it's via a blinding light and a booming voice and knocking you off your horse. And I feel like, personally, I've experienced a little bit of both, okay? One of them is far less painful than the other, that's for sure. True transformation takes place when people who knew you back then are amazed what God is doing in your life now. Okay, it goes back to you can't just you can't just say that you're about this life. You have to show that you're living that life. It's easy to stand up on a stage and say, I, you know, I love God. I love I love my family. I love my kids. And, and you know, this, this, these are things that I'm about. And then when I go home, am I am I living that? Am I am I showing that to my kids? Am I am I teaching them what God's love really looks like? Whenever I step into the classroom at 8 a.m. on a Monday morning and it's been a really long weekend. 
do I have a smile on my face to show them God's love? Uh, Listen, it's not like Saul had his encounter with Jesus, and then he showed up to Damascus, and it was like, all right, we're all good. Now, Now life is easy, and I can show everybody God's love. I think if anybody knows about having it hard, it was him. Because it wasn't just he was a, a new person that burst onto the scene, onto the church scene, right? He had a reputation. And now he had to, he had to, he had to live it out. He had to convince people that he wasn't uh, that guy anymore. I'm going to wrap up with this, and if the praise and worship team wants to go ahead and come. Your reputation is an indicator of who you have been, but transformation through Jesus Christ tells you who you are meant to be. Okay, uh, growing up, I, I, I grew up in church. I was, I was in church from literally almost the day I was born. And I, I learned a lot about reputation because of that. It takes years to build a reputation, and it can be wiped out in a second. And, again, it, you, you can build a bad reputation, and it can be really hard to come back from that. And I, I, I don't know if... You know, you feel like you can relate to Saul because you've been living a terrible life and you feel like there's no hope for you. Or maybe you're kind of like me. You, you grew up in church and you've been pretty good most of your life and isn't that good enough? I don't know. Or maybe you're somewhere in the middle. But whatever it is, God wants to do a work in your life. Okay, transformation looks different for everybody. Sometimes it's something crazy and radical and sometimes it's just taking the small little area of your life and changing it a little bit at a time. And maybe people notice, maybe they don't. Maybe you get celebrated because of it, and maybe you don't. That's not really what it's about, okay? We, we, th- this whole service today, this student takeover, this isn't about putting our young people up on stage so we can brag about how awesome they are and boost their egos, okay? Kids don't need a lot of ego boosting these days. Well, sometimes. But the thing is, we're doing that so that we can give them an opportunity to grow their faith, and that's, that's, what, that's what I want to pray right now, is that we just pray for opportunities to grow our faith, to, to really surrender to that transformation that God wants. So, Father God, we thank you so much for who you are, for your love that you show us every single day. We thank you for, your, for the gift of your son that you sent so that we can spend eternity with you. I just pray over every person in this room that no matter where they're at in their walk with you, that they, just, they can truly learn to surrender to the things that you have for them, that they can take their gifts and use them for for your will, plan, and purpose, Father. We praise you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.